You're listening to the FC Dallas Post Game Show, sponsored by Toyota. You are indeed, announcer man. It is the FC Dallas Post Game Show, brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, Toyota. Let's go places. It's also brought to you by UMB Bank. See how UMB can help you achieve your business goals. Well, it's all level here at Toyota Stadium. 1-1, the final. FC Dallas and Portland split the points tonight. And a game that FC Dallas absolutely could have won, did not win, and hopefully come season's end will not rue the two points they dropped this evening. Let's go ahead and get you to tonight's highlights. We'll start in the 74th minute. It was scoreless until Dallas picks up a corner kick on the right-hand side, and they execute to open the game's scoring. Ferreira has the ball again, right side. Still plenty of players forward. Ball finds its way through into the penalty area. Kenyon, goal! Breakthrough, FC Dallas, 74th minute. Facundo Kenyon, not a goal scorer. But he had a big one last year against Houston. Late, late, late. That was a game winner. A lot of work to go to two in this one still, but is that going to be the game winner? At least it's a breakthrough, John Arnold. Facundo Quinone puts FC Dallas ahead, 1-0. It was indeed the breakthrough. Facundo Quinone opens his 2023 account off a set piece and then some for Dallas. That was the score, 1-0, until the 90th plus one minute. We're in for the first of four minutes of stoppage time. Dallas had thrown on a couple defenders, but Portland had thrown on a lot of attackers, and that ended up proving the equalizer for the Timbers. Portland now, right side. Numbers forward. Here's a cross, steered away by Jose Martinez. Toward Jimenez, who's done a really good job of fighting for those loose balls so far. Diego Char lifts one forward. Marco Farfan on the defense. Here's a shot and a goal. Dallas just couldn't defend that first ball. It fell. Fell to the 18. That was the winner for Portland. A late, late, late goal that allowed Portland to ride out the rest of stoppage time. So it's a 1-1 draw here. Dallas goes undefeated in their last three home matches but can't quite get their third straight win. They will have to settle for their seventh point out of 12 potential at home through four home matches. Before we get to tonight's halftime statistics, let's go down to Garrett Melser. He has a post-game interview with Paul Ariola. Thanks, Sam. I'm with Paul Ariola. Paul, I know it's frustrating there. Goal at the end. What can you take from this game, though? Yeah, I think obviously our energy, uh, not giving up a goal. Um, you know, in the in the first in the first half, which is something we we haven't done. So it was nice. It was, it was obviously nice to do. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's. We, we just have to be better in the final 10 minutes. Uh, you know, win the first 10, win the last 10, you'll, most likely you'll win the game. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we didn't do that. How important is it to have a response on the road against Miami next week? Yeah, obviously, look, every game is important. It's not about response. response whether we win or whether we lose, it's a response. You know, we always have to keep going. Uh, it's a long season, so we got to keep our head up. But obviously, disappointed, it feels like a loss. Last one, Giovanni Jesus' his first start on the right. How is it with him overlapping with you? How's it working with him? Yeah, it's good. Obviously, it's a work in progress, though, right? Knowing, knowing your teammates takes takes time. Uh, you need time to to progress and, and continue to develop. But, uh, you know, I thought he had a really solid night tonight. Thank you, Ty Paul. Appreciate it. Back to you, Sam. 
Thank you, Garrett. Thank you, Paul, the captain speaking with us here on the post-game show. Let's get you tonight's full match statistics, and they are brought to you by UMB Bank. Dallas won the possession battle 59-41 tonight. They did generate a season-high shot, 17 shots for Dallas, 6 on target. That's compared to just 6 for Portland, 2 on target. Unfortunately, that final shot on target was the one that ended up equalizing the game. Five block shots, three for Dallas. 432 to 298, the passes go for Dallas. That's just passing accuracy, corners, and crosses. Duels one goes the way of the home side as well. Each team was offside twice. Six tackles, one apiece. Five saves for Alish Ivicic, only one for Martin Paz. 31 clearances to 20 go the way of the visitors. 15 fouls for Dallas, 13 for Portland. And yet somehow four yellow cards for Dallas, none for the visitors. No red cards this evening, thankfully so. But the number that matters on is the one on the scoreboard, and that one reads 1-1. Everyone gets a point tonight, though only one team is going to go away happy with it as we bring on the voices of tonight's broadcast, Steve Davis and John Arnold. And, John, I'll start with you. If you're Dallas, you battle through the first 45, you come out 0-0, you come out much better in the second half, you get the equalizing goal, but then just a crushing, crushing moment in the 90th plus one when you give up two points and the winning goal. Paul Ariola says it feels like a loss, and I don't think he's wrong. It's, it's funny because with draws, you always have the feeling conditioned by how the game went, and it really felt like FC Dallas was going to achieve what it needed to achieve, get all three points. They broke through the Portland backline that had been so difficult to break through, uh, but being unable to protect the lead, even with the changes that manager Nico Estevez made, is frustrating, and I think, Steve, when you give up a goal in now 12 straight games, that stuff can start to become mental. So it's interesting because about this time last year, a theme started developing. Uh, Mark Falwell and I on, on the FC Dallas broadcast, we ended up talking about this a lot and talking to Sam about it a lot in the post game in closing out games and how that got to be a problem last year for FC Dallas. And I think it was a problem they eventually remedied, and they, they were able to sort of grow in a, grow as a team. But we did talk a lot last year about how you have to learn you have to learn how to start games. I think this team is still learning how to start games. You have to learn how to finish games. And clearly this team is still sort of figuring out how to, how to finish games. So, you know, we can have a bigger conversation about that as it goes forward. But, for, you know, for, for right now, the important thing to note is just that Starting games has been a little bit of a problem, and we hope it doesn't become a recurring trend that finishing games is a problem. Um, the other thing I'll say about this is, is it is interesting that last year, if you look at the game where Dallas went into Portland, it played out a lot like this. Mm. Just add 10 minutes on to the to the time. It was well into stoppage time when Portland scored a goal, I think, in the 96th minute, and it just looked for all the world like they were going to steal a point uh, or steal all the points when Dallas had done pretty well that that day. Uh, and then 10 minutes into stoppage time, Dallas gets that late, late, late goal, and they take two points away from Portland. And by the way, Portland last year missed the playoffs by one spot and by one point. And so those two points really hurt Portland. So, you know, look, maybe Portland gets a little bit of revenge from that one this, this time. It definitely feels that way, and you know, we sat here last week after the LFC loss, and we looked at this Portland game a little bit, and I think we all agreed this was a must-win game, and for almost 90 minutes, it looked like Dallas had it. I mean, it took a little while to get the, the game-leading goal at that point, but then it looked like they were bringing it home. They brought on the third center back, uh, which we can discuss as we kind of get more granular into this one, but it, it is just a, a kick right square in the pants for this one. 
And it's it's another I don't want to say failure for this team. I mean I'm sure that you, know, that you can use that word if you'd like because it is accurate. You you wanted to see out three points, you did not. Therefore, that is a failure of just execution. But this is a team that coming off a really hard luck loss last week under a lot of circumstances, wanted to continue that home form that last year really helped propel them to the playoffs. This is one of those that you, you hope you don't look back and go. Man, those two points all the way back in April will really matter, just like Portland did last year when their home points didn't matter. But this is one of those that it already feels, you know, Paul Ariola said it feels like a loss. This one at the very least feels like a missed opportunity at a game you really, really needed to win. You know, if you look at it, it's interesting because we talk about closing out games. Uh, you'd want, you'd think you'd want your more experienced players. Well, look who they had on the field, you know. They've got Ibiaga out there. He's an experienced player. They bring on Jose Martinez. He's an experienced player. They brought on Jesus Jimenez. He's an experienced player. They brought on Facundo Quinone. He's the more experienced of the six. So, you know, you, you've got a lot of experience out there. Uh, you know, Paxton Pomichol and Jesus Ferreira. Uh, well, Ferreira was off the field, but Paxton Pomichol was out there. And, and he'll tell you that even though he's still a young guy, uh, you know, he's, he's been a pro since he was 16. You know, so he's, he's a veteran player. So they have a lot of experience out there. They just uh, couldn't get it done in the, in the moment. I want to throw this at you, Steve, and not as a grenade. So, you know, if you need to toss it back, that's fine. Conventional wisdom says you make those changes, right? Yes. Where you you go to three at the back, you sure. put more defenders on. Was it too much? Is there a little an element of, of confusion? Or was it just something that the Timbers were able to do that maybe it wouldn't even matter who was out there for FCD? No, it's, I, I mean, it's a legitimate question to ask. I don't think so. I mean, they you know, they work uh, on three-man, you know, five-man yeah, backline defending. And, uh uh, again, you, you've got players out there. They 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 know each other uh, other than Giovanni Jesus, who's you know, but he's been here for a while now, so uh, or at least you know a few weeks. So no, I, I don't I don't think it's too much. I think uh, you just credit Portland for doing what they could do, which is just you know add another couple of guys and throw balls forward and hope for the best and hope that maybe there's a moment of uh, where ball falls right for you or maybe the defending isn't quite the best and you know Farfan sort of got beat over there on that uh, I believe it was Farfan that got beat on that on that initial entry ball so that's that's what you do and credit Portland for doing that it, we've seen a bit of a replay here in the booth at least they showed the Portland goal and you're right it is Farfan that that kind of flubs for lack of a better term on that entry ball but then it looks like when it falls the center backs or at least the two that were there just looked stunned that the ball is there, but Portland does not. Like the, the the Portland scorer just casually knocks it right past Martin Paz, and it, it, it's it's interesting that we saw this at times last year where the defense it was only for a couple seconds, and it, it wasn't any one specific player at times. It was it was the the collective unit would just be like a light switch almost, and it would go off for one second, two seconds, and you think in the context of ninety plus minutes, that's not a lot of time because it's not except when it is. And when you see that the center backs just kind of freeze right as the, and giving the attacker a decent-sized lane to shoot through, I mean, it's – it's and, and that's a, that comes back to a word that we've, we've talked about a lot with this team, mentality of keeping that mentality up of, like, every second matters. And especially in that moment, you're in extra time. You're trying to see how to win at home against a team that has largely been inept. I mean, six shots, two on target. Before that, it was five and one. Like, this – Portland had not done much offensively, but in the blink of an eye, because that just that momentary happening, it's one-one. Yeah, you, you know, you say they hadn't done a lot offensively, and, and they hadn't, but they did manage to look dangerous on a few counterattacks. So they come in with a game plan, you know, defend out of the four-five-one, 
go direct. Uh, th- that didn't work because Nikosi Tafari was eating up all those direct balls that were played into Nathan. But they bring Nizgoda in. They bring Espria in. Espria's a, a, you know, he's a good player. We, we said he had 10 goals last year. And that did liven up their attack a little bit. And there were enough times in the second half, well, first half as well, that their counterattack did look somewhat dangerous. And you got to credit them for having a plan and coming out with a point because of it. Yeah, I think the changes from Portland planned, though they may be, it worked out, right? You know, Frank Boley, a player who is relatively new to the team, relatively new to the league, but makes a difference. And when you kind of come in with a plan and are able to to pull it off and execute it, you got to feel really good about the point if you're the Timbers tonight. And I think those changes that they made, and even for as uh, as many men down as Portland is, the fact that they're still able to dip into these types of reserves and get something from these players. I think speaks to something about the roster construction and, and, and kind of, you know, what they're, what they're doing, what the plan is, not even just tonight, but long-term as well. So tonight we saw the starting debut of Giovanni Jesus. That was one of our bigger storylines tonight. He played quite a bit. They brought him off near the end. If I'm not, my notes are not mistaken, and sometimes they can be. My handwriting can be a little bit erratic at times. He came off at or around the 85th minute, and that's when they moved. Marco Farfan over to the right. Said, no, I'm saying that is the 90th. So it was a very, before you shifted over Farfan to the right, Sam Junka came on to the left. And I guess we can question whether that, I mean, it did play a role into the goal because Mark Farfan was on the scene when things started happening. But let's focus on Jay Seuss for a minute because he played almost a full match. And was he perfect? No, I don't think so. But I don't think there was anything there that rose concern. I think he had some decent offensive moments getting forward. He had some errant crosses, but I think he had some right ideas. But I think there's there's plenty to like there tonight. Sure. Uh, he gave the ball away in a really bad spot one time right uh, right down in front of us. Uh, set Portland off on a counterattack, but that's, uh, you know, uh, everybody gives the ball away sometimes. Uh, led FC Dallas in crosses, tackles, clearances, duels, uh, 92% passing. So I, I think, uh, you know, he had, to, he had the one good shot for FC Dallas in the first half on the corner kick when he... I uh, got free on a Marco Farfan pick. So, yeah, I, I think there's something to build on there. I, I still think that uh, as teams get to know him a little bit, get, they, they might pick on him just a little bit. And everybody knows that Marco Farfan is a, is a good defender on the other side. So he's still got, he, he's still got some building to do. But uh, I think tonight it's, it, it's a really good first start. I think there's competition for the spot, like we talked about there, how there might be in the pregame. Ima Tomasi does some of the same things both players offer obviously their individual profiles but i was impressed with his defending tonight i think in the the spells that we've seen maybe he wasn't as comfortable uh trying to stop attackers as he was tonight portland didn't go at him as much as i thought they might but ultimately i think this was a a good first start from him it's something to build on you know nico has talked a lot about what he wants to see from from giovanni and he said hey He's brand new to this country. You know, his family's just gotten here. They want to ease him in because they do expect big things of him, but they don't think that if they rush him, he can do those big things because of the mental stunting or just being exposed by other players. So it was, it was comforting to see that tonight he had a strong outing. It bodes well that the fact that you've now got two starting quality, probably right backs, when Ima Tomasi comes back next week after his red card suspension. So that's a, that's a positive. On the other hand, I think we can make a decent argument. Tonight was not the best night. For Jesus Ferreira, I'm looking at the passing breakdown tonight, and we kind of see a 
a, a trend of what happens when the other team is struggling to let him get forward. He drops back quite a bit. He, he helps with the build, but the problem is when he's not up, the way that this system is set up, there's nobody up there to, to build to. It's kind of like you're building a bridge to nowhere almost, and it's, it's really unfortunate. And we saw that get a little bit better when Jesus Jimenez came in. We saw them move a little bit better forward. They obviously scored the goal with him in, in the pitch. But, Steve, you say this often, once is a coincidence, twice is a trend. We've seen this a couple times now for Ferreira. Where's your concern level at it, if at all raised? You know, it, it, it's a good question, Sam, but uh, I, I don't know. Nico doesn't seem concerned by it. He, you know, he always says this is what strikers do. If they don't get the ball, you know, they're going to they're gonna drop in a little bit. And, and the thing is, Jesus Ferreira can make things happen when he drops into those spots. Uh, tactically, yeah, you, you, you do want to – you sometimes look, see him look up and you wonder, well, who is he looking for? Because he's a guy that uh, – that it should be forward. So, you know, with Jesus Ferreira, I, I don't know. I, I've sort of uh, stopped wondering about him too much positionally because yeah. he scored 18 goals last year. He's he's on track to uh, what is he tracking for right, he's right got now? Three about and about six the, right now. Yeah, about the same this year. So, you know, it's it's hard to complain too much about a guy like that. Yeah, sometimes I want him to stay a little further forward, but he seems to get the job done a lot, doesn't he, John? Absolutely. I, I I'm not concerned about Jesus Ferreira, and especially going forward i think he's a guy who just earned the benefit of the doubt positionally if anything the only time tonight where i thought mm, i don't know if i really want him in that space is, is when they brought on jesus jimenez and him and Ariola seemed to switch and ferreira was playing kind of wide right and Ariola was playing more centrally i think you know maybe that's okay for a change if you end up there after a corner kick or something like that but i, I think we see more results when he's in that actual number 10 slot uh, when when Jesus Ferreira plays more centrally and can set up the forward, but ultimately, I think Ferreira is a is a is the kind of player that FC Dallas fans are used to seeing do special things, kind of no matter where he is on the field. See, that's interesting though. I don't mind him drifting wide right. You, you know, uh, the last year of Lucha Gonzalez, they played him out there a lot. When Pepe, you know, started his big run, they played him on the right side as a as sort of a tucked in playmaker. Mm -hmm. And I think he does. I think he does a, a really great job over there. In fact, ended up, ends up going on a big dribbling run from that position against. Real Salt Lake scored a great goal. So I think he's a smart enough player that if you want to play him in the interior and in the hole underneath Jimenez, he can do fine there. I think uh, if they're going to try to create overloads over there, get Giovanni Jesus you know, running up the channel on the right side, then that's, that's a good spot for him too. So I don't mind it. I, I think he can play the role. Maybe what I have more of an issue with is if Ariola ends up in that central channel, I don't think that uses his ability that's as the not best. His although, best role. Although he's good at through balls, yeah. right? Maybe if, if Velasco and him switch, yeah. and Velasco's in that sort of central playmaking hole and Ferreira is able to go out wide as another creative option or obviously as a scorer himself that might work a little better that's not what we saw for the the five ten minutes so maybe my beef is not with Jesus Ferreira if I have a beef at all yeah I, I think you know it's probably still as early I mean 34 of these things in league play where we've just finished number six so there's still there's let you know there's still a lot more in front of us than behind us but it is something to watch something that has been wonderful to watch is another strong game from Nkosi Tafari and, you know, we've heard he has been the subject of a lot of positive talk so far, and he just keeps paying it off. I mean, there was a lot of talk, and I was right at the front of this, this stampede that said he can be the best center back on this team if he really works hard. And, gentlemen, I don't want to put too much on the young man, but I think, are we there? Yeah, we're not far from it if we're not there. Uh, terrific job dealing with Nathan tonight. Uh uh, then again, you know Nathan might be their, uh, you know their their third choice striker. So, 
but you, you still got to do the job, and I, I feel like he did. There, there were some, there were a few errant passes, uh, but it, it's it is difficult to play those entry balls when Portland is sitting so deep, sitting in that. You know, he's he's trying to break, uh, create line breaking passes through a line of five midfielders, and so there were maybe times tonight when. Maybe he's trying to force a pass. It's just not there, but it's it's because things are frustrating. Uh, a couple of times he tries to go over the top, which I like. Uh, some of them worked out better than others. I, I thought his defensive work was probably better tonight than his work with the ball. Um, but as I said, it, it, it is tough to – line-breaking passes are, are, are hard anyway, and then when they're set up like that and they are well-organized in line of four and a line of five. So it's it, it's tough, uh, but I guess to your, to your question uh, – He's as uh, he's as much a first choice as anybody else right now. I, I would say, I think he's the best center back on the roster right now, or is performing the best, at least in the best form. Maybe that's harsh on Jose Martinez, who is probably well, he is another candidate for that, and has been dealing, dealing with this knee issue that kept him out of the LAFC game and, and saw him get only a couple minutes tonight. So, I, I think you know Steve broke down Tafari's game well. Definitely think that, especially defensively, especially in the air, uh, really impressed with what he did tonight. As we look to close the book on Portland tonight, is there anything that we left out that you gentlemen would like to get to before we look ahead to next week's matchup? Uh, no, I think we've covered covered most of the bases tonight. Uh, nice to see a midfielder get a goal. Uh, we talked about how the uh, forwards were mostly producing this year. The center backs have, have gotten forward, and uh, Ibiaga and Tafari have a, have a goal and an assist each. That they needed a goal from a midfielder, they they got a good one. They got a big one tonight, that turned out to be not quite as big as we thought because they just uh, couldn't close couldn't close the game out in the end. You know, I think I it, maybe it's maybe it's picky, but I I think we could see even more from the midfield helping to link with the attack. Sebastian Legette and Paxton Pomichol coming back, I think, was a clear boost tonight. But uh, I think there's even more steps to take to get those players linked with an attacking trident that is extremely dangerous maybe it's going to take time maybe it's going to take a little bit for those guys to get back in rhythm after missing the lafc trip well pomico was available but didn't play because of uh, his fitness but i think that's an area where, where fc dallas can look at and then you know again a clean sheet would come down real nice for this team right now i just think it would be a, a big boost defensively you know that was the issue for fc dallas in 2021 in 2022 resolved much better defensive team, stingy, and this year it just looks like there are, there are goals that maybe shouldn't be getting scored on them that, that they're conceding. So I think that has to be a, a goal, one of the, the, the checklist items for next week. Well, they're going to get a bit of a boost in that area as they head out east for their first road trip on the east coast. They will face off against Inter-Miami, and Inter-Miami – not unlike Portland is in a bit of a rough way. They win their first two. They beat Montreal 2-0. They beat Philadelphia 2-0, which that is no problem at all. But then straight losses to New York, NYCFC, Toronto, Chicago, Cincinnati. They go scoreless in three of those four matches. If you're looking for a potential clean sheet for Martin Poss, if tonight was not it, with Portland basically down to their ball boy and a couple groundskeepers playing on offense, this might be the moment because Miami is in a not super great way right now when they head out there next Saturday. Yeah, unless Leo Messi shows. Oh no, he can't. He can't. So mm. uh, no, not yet. I'm looking <laughs> at the calendar. I don't think that's possible yeah, just I, yet. I, I think, yeah, it, it, it's an opportunity. But I think tonight was an opportunity, right? And, and they weren't able to take it. So uh, Miami is a team that's, that's coming in a little bit of a slump. They miss Gregor a lot. 
Um, he's a player who was super influential for them. And, and in that Philly win, you know, don't mean to discredit it, but I, that was while the Union were preparing for CONCACAF Champions League. So it, it is a team where I'm not going to get into West versus East, which conference is tougher, but you kind of get out of your rhythm, uh, face a team you're not necessarily used to facing, could be a good opportunity to, to get a team in a rough spot. But at the same time, they'll be feeling the same way. Hey, we're at home against a team we don't see that much we're going to be able to get an opportunity to break off our uh, rough streak here. So mental-wise, I'm not sure if that cancels it out or what, Steve, but uh, I think in, in a lot of ways it's a tough trip. Uh, yeah, you know, I haven't gotten to look at a lot, uh, watch a lot of Miami this year. Uh, you guys pointed out uh, Cincinnati tonight with the loss. Uh, it, it, it is unfortunate that if Leo Messi is going to come, that FC Dallas is going to, get on the uh, front end of that. I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I, uh, if I'm setting odds, I don't know, 25%. But, uh, I might, I might but, go higher. I, I've convinced myself this is going to happen. I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. It'd be a hope, lot of fun. And, and I hope you're right. But uh, one, one way or the other, uh, just another chance for FC Dallas to pick up points on the road. Well, a striker miraculously appeared last week to save LAFC, but I guess maybe we shouldn't expect a striker to miraculously save Inter-Miami. Looking at just some of the stats, obviously we they played at the same time that FC Dallas did, so we did not get to watch it. But it looks like they gave up a goal at the 40, 45 plus 5, so right before halftime. And then it seems they were chasing the entire way. They win possession, but they only put up 10 shots, but they're passing the ball a lot. They're, they're, they're not bad at it, and, and they're winning. Like, they're doing the right things, especially – but. You know, Cincinnati is a very good team. They're they're a potential Eastern Conference favorite. They had a fantastic campaign. They're well coached. They've got a ton of scoring threats, though neither of the ones that we think of were the one was the one that scored tonight. But I feel like we're kind of stuck in a little bit of a, a feedback loop right now for Dallas because for the second straight week we're going to say you you probably need to win that game against Miami because they're in a bit of a weakened position. It, it is a road game, so that's always going to be a challenge. And again, it's match seven. It's it. It feels really weird to say must-win matches, yeah, but we're kind of there. I would say a, a road game against an Eastern Conference team, I'd say, listen, is the pressure on that next week as much as it was tonight? I don't think so. Because I think the fear, if you're an FC Dallas fan right now, if you're someone who wants this team to do well, the fear is that those points that matter, you know, Steve mentioned last year when Portland FC Dallas took points off Portland in Portland, the Timbers fall just short of that playoff berth. The fear is this looks like a good team. They definitely have building blocks. They had a really good season last year. They've had some good performances this year and even some good results to go with it. The fear is you get to the end of the season, you're in the playoff chase, and you say, man, if we only had those points from the Minnesota United opener and tonight against the Portland Timbers. I, I, yeah, you want to win next week, of course, against Inter-Miami. It's a team that looks vulnerable, but I think the home advantage, the, the Fortress Frisco, those things are the, the things that have to be there if the team is going to make a run at a home playoff game. And, and, and I think that's the fear and the worry is dropping points at home early. You just don't want it to come back and bite you. It is interesting, you know, that, look, splitting the points at home, you, you don't want to do it, but you do get a point. You prevent Portland, a playoff rival, from, from taking any more points. Uh, Portland still only has in their history, uh, uh, what, 11 seasons now? Uh, 11 seasons now, 12 seasons they still only have three wins in Texas, um, but you said it a while ago. You, you put it put it well. You, you know when you talk about game state, and that's how we read draws. So it, it's a, it's a draw, you know. But everything that we're talking about tonight is is, is sort of a uh, little bit of doom and gloom. But it's because of the way it, it all sort of played out. 